Welcome to the Macros for Life podcast, where we talk all things macros, business, and marriage. We're your hosts, Eve and Randall Guzman. Visit our website at www.gtransformationacademy.com, where you can download our free How to Track Macros guide. This guide has helped over 15,000 people start their macro tracking journey. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Macros for Life podcast. I am your host, Eve Guzman, and we have a special guest today, and her name is Kim Platt. She's a fitness and nutrition coach for women over the age of 40 who are wanting to ditch the diets with more of a balanced approach to food. How are you doing, Kim? I'm doing so good. How are you? I am great. I'm so glad that you're here. Kim and I actually met online um, through one of my mentors a few years ago. And then she, well, actually I reached out to you. I remember reaching out to you and I was like, I can't remember what I exactly said, but I was like, I would love to business coach you. And then eventually she was like, oh, okay. And then we did the thing. And then she's been in macro mentorship and then a couple of other things. And here we are today. Yep. So tell and, us a little bit about you and how you got started with coaching. Um, do you want me to go into like the way back? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. We want the way back, okay. all the way back. So I feel like it all starts right in childhood, probably with a lot of us with some sort of comment made to us or just feeling unlike maybe everyone else. And for me, that was like that one comment for me was when I was probably about eight or nine years old, which is right around my son's age. And someone was like, you'll be beautiful when you lose the baby fat. So that was like the trigger for me to look around and be like, maybe I don't look like everyone else or the way that I should be. And that was just kind of the catapult for me. So like uh, just from even the beginning starting ages of like, like I said, nine or 10 just felt different like everyone else, probably more of like a chunky body type quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but I started actually lifting around like 12 or 13 years old when I saw my dad's, it was like a bill Pearl book, one of these like cheesy old books with like a woman in like a leotard outfit. And I just started doing that and dabbling with that and realizing like my body wasn't changing. So that's kind of where it all started. And then from there, I went into things like Thai bow and really the first diet I ever went on was probably vegetarian, which of course just forced me to eat more noodles and pop tarts and doing things that like did not help my body composition at all. So I think from there, it was just like one thing after another, just like you going through multiple different diets, trying so many different things felt like I was always a pendulum swinging back and forth from like either super restrictive to like completely throwing in the towel and not even caring. And then going from places like exercising twice a day to like, you know, never exercising at all and eating like bagel bites at night and drinking like a six pack at night. So that's kind of like where my story started. And I'd say it got to a really dark place for a while after I went more of like eating clean and became a little bit more orthorexic where I was scared to even have ketchup or have cream in my coffee. And I think that was like the moment that I was like, I can't keep on doing this. And that was like the trigger for me to learn a little bit more about macros. And back then it was like IIFYM, right? And that's yep. kind of where probably well over 10 years where it started for me, but I took a really unhealthy approach with macros and ended up getting way too skinny and um, not having a cycle and then having to actually work on restoring my hormones after that and putting on about 25 pounds of weight 
which left me really uncomfortable. And then from there, working with a coach and realizing that more women need to be using macros in a more responsible way than the way that I was using it in the past. And that's kind of like where it started with me. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the things that you said, I was like, Ooh, me too, me too. And then I'm like, people listening are probably like this thinking the same thing. I think a lot of us have had one thing, whether we're like nine or 13 or 27 that someone says, and then it sticks with us forever. And we don't really know the impact until we kind of like look back and unpackage it and go, you know, the hot thing now is like trauma. Like, did something happen to me that (laughs) we all have trauma, but it's like, was there something that someone said, but like, someone saying to you when you lose the baby fat I don't think people understand like how deep words can cut or like how long those words like last because like you know here we are you know you're like you know 25 30 plus years later you still remember that yeah exactly yeah it's it's amazing how those small little things and I think we just go down this path of like doing all these restrictive diets because we we don't know any better. And you're just mm-hmm. like, okay, what is it? Like I said, the first thing I did was vegetarian because I thought in my mind, vegetarians are really skinny. So that would make sense for me to look, you know, like lean out if I did something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you why you picked to become, you know, <laughs> vegetarian before it became like the craze to like go plant-based and be holistic and like only in anything and from the, the earth. But like, that probably was like the look that you wanted back then was skinny. Yeah. And well, the irony is it wasn't like in my mind, I always wanted to be fit. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to have muscle. I wanted to have that like quote unquote tone to look. I never wanted to be like this Kate Moss, like scrawny. I just wanted to look like the the woman on the Tyvo video. Like that was, like I said, one of my first like type of exercises. Ironically, I feel like a lot of people don't believe this, but I, just like in high school, I didn't do any sports. I was definitely like drinking and doing more drugs and things like that. Um, but then I did also want to change my body. So I would, you know, drink a ton and eat like whatever, and then try things like t- the Tybo video. And I would see small amounts of change and then nothing afterwards. And that's where I wasn't paying enough attention to my nutrition. Obviously I need to be doing more strength training as well, but it's just our naivetyities to like what we're supposed to be doing to actually see results was such the biggest problem for me. Mm-hmm, definitely for sure when you mention like some of the like small things with um orthorexia I definitely wanted to talk about that a little bit because I think there's a lot of people that don't know what that is and then what it looks like but you mentioned like small things that probably weren't small things to you at the time they were major but like you said questioning if ketchup wasn't healthy enough, which is like with orthorexia, you're like trying to get that perfect, healthy intake, healthy life. And then you're like overanalyzing probably things like how much sugar is in the ketchup to make it sweet. Yes, it's made with tomatoes, but there's other things in there that's sugar. What's the sugar doing to me? Those are calories that's adding up. And like the same thing with the creamer. Um, did you notice those things yourself or did anybody around you go, it's just ketchup, eat the fries with the ketchup or whatever it is? Yeah. I, I don't remember like my family or anything saying anything to me. Cause I was the one who was always into nutrition and fitness. So I would be doing mm-hmm. my own research. I'd be like reading muscle and fitness hers and like all these other magazines trying to get a ton of information. And I didn't really talk about it either because of course I didn't want people to know I was trying to lose weight and I was unhappy with my body because I just felt like that would just make me more uncomfortable. So just kind of like doing it quietly, but Mm -hmm. I didn't 
like I didn't, I wouldn't say I was diagnosed with that or anything like that. It's just the, the some of the behaviors that I had, right. I was like mm-hmm. scared to eat this stuff. And of course, what happens when you're telling yourself you can't have something is like, it creates a complete opposite. So for me, I'd find myself into like, like going into like binging it, you know, like not extreme overeating, but like eating a whole bunch of food when I told myself I shouldn't be. And then I would eat like eat tons of carbs and then I jump on the scale, beat myself up because I would be so much heavier and then blame it on the, all the bad foods because I was mm-hmm. again, restricting them so much. So for me, it wasn't, no one was really like saying anything because I wasn't really telling them anything. Mm-hmm. They didn't, I don't know. They didn't, I was also raised in a house where we did have a lot of restrictions on food because my dad was kind of a more of a health nut. And so mm-hmm. it was kind of normalized to not eat quote unquote bad food. Like the worst I'd say cereal we had in our house was kicks. So I actually got <laughs> so bland. <laughs> right. Which is like, you know, so I'd go to my friend's house and we'd eat all, you know, like she'd have all the, like the junk food and we'd eat everything there. And I would just overdo it all the time when it comes to Mm -hmm. that and that again like because I was trying to eat clean for so long that's what kind of opened up my eyes when I was seeing like if it fits your macros and more macro based where it's like okay I can achieve the body that I want by actually eating these foods and no longer being scared to have a little bit of ketchup on I don't know friend like not I wouldn't even eat french fries but like having ketchup on something Mm -hmm. yeah definitely you really make me think of this uh reel I saw a couple of days ago And it was about like, it was the same concept of I shouldn't have these things. Let's eat clean. And the reel that she made was really eye opening. And she was like, I was sitting here contemplating how like I wanted to eat cookies, but I was like, those aren't clean. So I shouldn't have them. So instead I had a protein bar. And then a half an hour later, I had a Greek yogurt. And then a half an hour later, she had a third healthy thing and then a fourth healthy thing. And then she ended up eating the whole like sleeve of Oreos anyway. (laughs) And she was like, I should have just had the thing that satisfied me because she went overboard on the clean things and said, F it, might as well just eat the damn Oreos. And then she was like, I might as well have just had that mixture of some clean things and then some things that are satiating and you know that you want to have but I think a lot of people don't realize it until they get into the mix of that because a lot of people will go I'll just eat clean forever and I'm like well how long does that last everybody's gonna want something like I know there are so many people that you know they hold this flag of perfectionism um and if what I'm saying is triggering you sorry but there is no like perfect way to eat nobody else is like holier than thou But like, I don't eat any sugar. I haven't had a candy bar in three years. I'm like, I don't think I trust anybody that hasn't had a piece of candy in three years. Like eventually you're going to want some things. And I think that's why a lot of us have leaned towards macro tracking because we can get some flexibility. You've got like the guidelines of sticking to your calories and macros, but I like not feeling like I have to restrict everything because I think I'm eventually going to give in and just eat the Oreos. 100%. You you can't rely on willpower when it comes to these things. Like you go to a kid's birthday party, like I have young kids and it's like, what am I going to not have a cupcake at their birthday? Like that type of thing is not going to be living life and the quality of life that I want. I don't think other people feel the same way. I did the same thing. I can remember going to a wedding and trying to tell myself I wouldn't eat the cake because it wasn't clean. It wasn't healthy. And I had like, again, that flag of like, oh, look at me. And coming home and trying to make my own mug cake and it just tasting disgusting and like trying 17 different like types of that. Mm -hmm. And then like ending up just like eating the entire cabinets because I was just like, I I just needed it. I wanted something. I was craving it so bad. Yep. 
I've been there, definitely been there. So what was your first experience like with tracking macros? Like, how did you start out? Did you do um, like a group program? Did you just do research and start? Um, how did you get going with macros? And do you remember following someone that mentioned it? And you were like, let me check it out. Yeah, so I remember finding like Lane Norton and Sohee Lee years and years ago. Um, I had, I never really talked about this, but like, I always had this idea that I wanted to be a, a fitness competitor. So like, I would follow a lot of the women that wanted to do that, or that was involved in that. And I think I found them. And then from there, I did get a one-time macro consult. And I told her like I was binging and that like I had a really bad relationship with food. Like I was very aware of that. And so she, I remember she put me on like 10, I mean, not 10,000, 2000 calories straight off. And that was more of like a maintenance calories for me. And I never followed them. So I didn't, I didn't trust her with those, that one-time count. Cause I was so scared to do them. So I would still try to be in a deficit doing more macro-based stuff and trying to learn kind of on my own. And that's why mm -hmm. I didn't have the understanding that like there's different phases to macro tracking and that it's not all about trying to be in a deficit all the time. And that's where I didn't, it was just about hitting the numbers with like the, that mindset of like, okay, yes, you can hit your protein, but you can also have like pop tarts like 10 times a day. Right. There's no, like, mm -hmm. there's no like limit on the quality of food. I mean, limit on like the type of food you're having and not enough focus on quality of food as well either. And I, I got really restrictive about it. Like I remember just having to open my fitness pal, like so many times I'd see like that, you know, you've logged in like this many times in a row and feeling so obsessed with that. Like if I forgot right. a day, beating <laughs> myself up, right. <laughs> yeah. It was all about the streak that my fitness pal streak. Um, so that's kind of where I got started. So there was no one ever really walking me through. It was kind of, I, I had tracked calories before, so I had a good foundational, uh, piece to that, but it was just more of like trying to piece it all together for myself and not having a coach. Yeah, I think you said something really important that I, I don't know if I've thought about it a lot. Like I do know that at, at one point I didn't know about the fa different phases of periodization with nutrition. And then at one point I did, but I think you're really um, accurate on the fact of when it like came out and everybody was talking about macros, people weren't really talking about phases. Yeah. And I think a lot of us that did get introduced in Mac to macros 2013 to 2015 um, with the people that you mentioned, it kind of was like, here's these magical numbers. You get this result. And a lot of us stayed at those numbers. I don't think there was a lot of teaching of let's bring it back up. Or, or things like that. Um, at least on my end, I didn't see a lot of the, oh, you should have a different phase, this or that, to like 2016, 2017. But um, when I started tracking macros, I did deficit numbers and I stayed on them way too long. Um, yeah. I definitely did. And I know that's kind of like something that ended up potentially happening to you when you had some of the imbalances um, and stuff going on with your hormones. But um, how did you start? When did you start to notice, man, these might be kind of restrictive. I'm feeling a little bit different or off. Yeah. So I, I started to experience more like overeating episodes again, right? Mm -hmm. Because I wasn't eating enough. And then I started to see like a weight creep up. So of course I immediately like thinking I'm doing something wrong or something along those lines. But that was also in between, I was going through fertility treatments too. So like I'd get down to a lower weight and then I was kind of dabbling with um, 
flexible uh, tracking and everything like that. But then I was trying to also deal with being on hormones. So then after I had both of my kids, I never got my periods back. And that's when I knew like something was off. Like I was obsessively thinking about food after the kids. I was fasting. I was still mm -hmm. trying to hit these like deficit numbers. So I lose, I lost a lot of the weight quickly, but then I'm still eating the same amount, you know, that small amount that I was for that deficit. And that's kind of when I was like, okay, something's not right. Like I don't have a period. Like I feel obsessed with food. I would feel, I have a lot of moments of like, probably low blood sugar where I just feel like dizzy and exhausted and all these other things happening. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? But then I didn't really put two pieces, like two and two together that it's impacting my overall health too. Mm -hmm. So what major changes did you make after that to time to, to like get back to health after you thought everything yeah. doing is healthy? So I mean, I, I took an approach, which was called like the all in approach, which was like, basically like wasn't tracking anymore, just eating as much as possible. Like I was eating mm -hmm. probably around like 2,500 calories, um, which is a lot for me. I'm a small, like I'm a petite woman. So I ended up getting, gaining about 25 pounds and I'm short like you, right? Where yeah, I'm five foot one, one and so, under. Yeah. Yeah. So like 20 <laughs> pounds is like a lot on us. Right. So mm -hmm. it's like it was a significant amount of weight, but I finally got my period back. And that's when I reached out to another coach. Cause I was like, I need to go about this a different way. I can't be like super restrictive anymore. I can't mm -hmm. have this mindset. And that's where I signed up with another coach, um, to actually get one-on-one -on -one coaching where I'm like, I'm going to have someone monitor to me, monitor me. Cause I don't want to be going into the same thing that after spending a year of trying to get my period back. So that's mm -hmm. kind of how I went into it and had a better approach into, you know, periodization and getting the body that I wanted. Do you think at that point, that's when you really started to kind of get the hang of like getting away from like perfectionism? I think so. Yeah. I think it's a big slap in your face when you have a body you feel really confident in and you are like the leanest you've ever been. You have the most muscle you've ever been. You feel ripped and people say it, people comment on you and people look up to you. And then you put on a whole bunch of fat. Cause what I did is I had to stop working out as well. Mm -hmm. And so I put completely changed my identity from like the fit girl. And now I'm, I, I didn't even like, I didn't know who I was anymore. I felt like mm -hmm. complete opposite. Couldn't do the things that I loved. And that was kind of a moment. I was just like, okay, like things have to be different when I go back to this and not being so scared of constantly, I, I was always scared of gaining weight. And that was mm -hmm. like that pivotal moment of like, I gained the weight. I got really uncomfortable. And now it's a moment that I can actually get into a place where I have a healthier relationship with this. Mm -hmm. I think what you're definitely mentioning, a lot of people go through and they're like, well, I'm just a failure. Yeah. I, I think it's hard for people to accept that sometimes we do have to gain some weight to get healthy whether you're doing it like you did intentionally or sometimes it's unintentional. I had the same thing happen to me after competing. Everything you said, I, I, I like felt like I was like the rippest, ripped, most ripped, the leanest. Everybody was saying it. I thought I looked awesome. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't reverse diet properly because I wanted to hold on to like that look. Yeah. Hormones went crazy. And then I just like gained 20 pounds anyway. And then it was like, what do people think of me? I was feeling like, did I fail at this? Now I'm not the fit person. I'm also the macro coach. And I had to like tell myself to sit down. I did no more cardio, like you were mentioning. Like it wasn't a choice I made to gain the weight. It just happened to me. So I'm definitely a firm believer of whether you decide to or not, something eventually has to give. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's like what you avoid for so long, right? You're just avoiding, I don't know, your, your own health. You're just sitting there trying to be like skinnier and skinnier and maintain that piece of it when it's going to catch up no matter what. And that's why I find a lot of women too, just we get, try to stay in these deficit calories and that only backfires over time. So you're going to, you're going to have to get there at some point in another and that like fear of reversing or fear of like eating more is going to catch up in some way or another, whether you do it intentionally or if it like unintentionally. Yeah, definitely. So with the women that you work with, um, what are some of the biggest struggles you think that they have when they come to you, whether it's the physical things that they say, help me Kim, or what are some of the mindset things too? So physical, mental, what are they struggling with? Yeah, I think it's a, a, well, one thing is just the constant dieting, right? Like even if they are someone, I find a lot of women come to me and they, they have a good nutritional understanding because they've done a ton of diets. Like you learn so much from each of the diets that you do and you take a little bit away from that. So it's not like a lack of knowledge of knowing kind of what to do. Um, It's almost like they have all the puzzle pieces. They just don't know how to put them together. And it's a lot of this all or nothing thinking, right? This perfectionism, having Mm -hmm. to do everything right and having this like good all week and then completely falling off track. Um, A lot of like probably negative self-talk, a lot of just negative labeling towards foods, like still having this good and bad foods, even if they take a macro approach, there's still like the sense of guilt around like, Oh, I'm going to have, I'm actually going to allow myself to have these foods. Cause in their head, they're still like, no, you have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of just doing the wrong things, right. Not really getting in the, the protein that you need, not making it a lifestyle. Right. And I think that's where is most challenging for women is that they're trying, they're in like that mindset we talked about earlier, where I was just trying to like I wanted to be fit, but I had like a skinny dieting mindset versus what mm-hmm. I talked about was more of like this fit mindset of like, if you think about the one person in your mind, whether it's like a celebrity or whoever that is, that's really got the body that you want. They're probably not starving themselves all day, right? They're probably mm-hmm. being really intentional with their nutritional choices. They're not like probably drinking and doing all these things. They're, they're, they have a lifestyle that's helping them support what they're doing. And that's something that I never had. And I think a lot of women aren't doing that. They don't realize that it's like a component of the, of keeping the results that you got is like to make it a lifestyle. You have to be in these different phases of, um, you know, like dieting and then reverse dieting and then maintenance and potentially bulking if that's your choice. And then also not strength training enough, right? Just doing mm-hmm. more cardio, more hit, more burning calorie. How can I eat as little as possible? And how can I burn as much? Yeah. I mean, you described exactly what like is constantly happening. Yeah. And I think when people hear the word lifestyle, I think sometimes they're like, what does that mean? I think people newer to fitness, they think lifestyle means like, I'm just changing the way I do things. But I think they're thinking mostly exercise and fitness, but lifestyle mm-hmm. is everything. So it's um, endurance workouts, strength training workouts, what you're eating, all the liquids you're drinking, not just drinking more like, it's not like, okay, yeah, coach Kim said I have to have, you know, 80 ounces of water a day, but like how much wine, how much caffeine, um, what's in the caffeine? Is there tons of like milk and sugar and whatever, but it's like the endurance, the strength training, the nutrition, the nutrition on the weekends, all of the liquids, um, sleep, quality of sleep, frequency, quantity, do you rest? it's so it's it's there's so many things so I think a lot of people are like yeah my doctor said I have to change my lifestyle food and workouts is what they think but there's like so many more components 
And I think they don't understand when it comes to that theory of, I think I need to eat less and burn more, that it also requires us to sit the fuck down and, <laughs> and have like rest days. I never rested. No, like, I didn't either. I didn't get down to a four day a week lifting schedule till 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I stopped that. Like I would, I'd push myself six or seven days and it would usually get to the point when I'd go into the gym and I would be so fatigued that I would only do like half of my workout and leave. That would be like mm -hmm. a rest day for me. So yeah. it's, I just thought like the harder I tried, I'm like, why don't my legs look the way that I want? Like, cause I was just, you know, doing legs like four days a week. It, it, I never gave my body any time to rest. And a part of the lifestyle component too is, is stress management. And I think women don't realize, especially when you're over 40, that stressors are going to be higher, right? Your kids are, most of us have kids, right? And they're getting older. There's more responsibility. Then there's like aging parents as you get older. And there's mm -hmm. just more stress that we put on ourselves. And if you're not paying attention to that, that's going to lead to like the emotional eating, the, um, your even like slower metabolism, thyroid issues, all this other like pressure that you put on yourself, all related to your mindset and, and just the stress that you put on yourself as well too. Yeah, I think a lot of women, like 35, 40 plus, they're stressed from the time they wake up to the time they lay down at night. And I think they're so used to going, well, I'm just busy, but not actually looking for a solution, asking for help, changing lifestyle. And I think like us saying I'm busy as an excuse is not good enough. Like no. we have to learn to change something or we're going to keep like basically chasing our, our tail. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. It can't be like, go, go, go all of the time. Mm -hmm. And we probably, we have time, right? Like, and I hate that we all have like the same 24 hours in the day. Cause I don't agree with that, but there is things that you can prioritize even being a busy mom. Like there's way to sneak it in and you feel better, right? Like I just talked to a client, um, I think it was yesterday and she started to, uh, strength train in the morning. She wanted to make that a habit. And she's like, I have so much more energy throughout the day. So it's actually helping us feel better versus like, seven, eight o'clock at night, you're drinking the wine. And then all of a sudden you feel like you have a crappy night's sleep and then you're exhausted all the next day. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like the, the effort that you put in, in the beginning is going to be worthwhile in the end. Yep. Absolutely. When it comes to nutrition with the women that you work with, um, like what is your approach and your philosophy? I know you love macros, um, but where, where do you, um, have that come in as a tool to help your women? Yeah. So I always do an assessment in general, just to see where we're at, because like we said, there's different phases. So if you're coming into it and you're eating 1200 calories, we're not going into a deficit. That's definitely not going to happen. We got to work on <laughs> getting you back up and working with your metabolism. I like a more flexible approach to macros because a lot of the women I work with just have a lot going on in their life. And what I mean by flexible macros is focusing on protein calories, and then, um, minimums for uh, fiber and for fats. So we still focus on the macros themselves, but just in an easier way to track. So it's not feeling like you're playing macro treacherous and you have to like figure it all out, mm -hmm. but we still have to have that foundation of like, what does a balanced plate look like? How do I get enough fiber in without like eating 17 quest bars, right? Like having a oh good approach to, <laughs> approach to that, right? Um, we want more whole food, like quality of food matters. I used to be, I used to take the approach of like, whatever fits in your macros, right? Yeah. But it, and my husband still like dings me on that because I'll be like, oh, it doesn't matter, right? And I'm like, no, we, we're allowed to change our philosophies as time yeah. goes on. Because the, I see, I'm sure you experience this with clients. It's like, you can fit whatever you want in your macros, but then there's someone else that like, you know, hits like the, the quality of foods and the results are so much better and you yeah. feel better too. 
Mm -hmm. Just because you can fit anything. I don't care what anybody else says. I mean, the science shows it. And you know, I always lean on science like you do. You will have more optimal health, a stronger body, a more resilient body. And you're going to look better if you're eating whole foods and the macros. Like you just will. Um, There are, of course, people that have just some of that like genetic privilege that they can get farther on Pop-Tarts than me, but it's not, you know, it's not going to be the same. And I'm glad you mentioned the Quest bars. (laughs) So for those of you guys that are listening and you're working with the coach or you're thinking about working with a coach, stop asking us as coaches, can I eat two protein bars and one protein shake? for, you know, basically half of your meals all day. We want you to learn how to create like a balanced plate, like you mentioned, and get more whole foods in, not to mention like all those sweeteners and all the, you know, processed protein, you know, even though it's marketed as it's so great for you and build muscle and, you know, increase your metabolism. It isn't great to just like fill your whole day with Quest bars because they fit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what I... I was missing because I was just, I was just doing it to hit my numbers. And I didn't realize that like the quality of food does matter, right? Mm-hmm. And you need some healthy stuff in there. And that's why it's like finding that sweet spot, I think for what works for you is really, really important to be like, okay, like everyone has that different flexibility. Like you said, there are people that can get away with more and you know, they're lucky, but not everyone's that way. Yeah. So, so like I feel like the older that we get, the less flexibility that you do have, right? You're mm-hmm. getting into like pre- perimenopause, menopause yeah. stages. You you don't have that flexibility. You can't have two glasses of wine and still be losing fat and still feeling good. Yeah. Like as we age, our BMR changes, our metabolism overall doesn't slow down till past 60. But like, as I'm getting older, I have less calories to play with each day. And I used to, if it fits your macro style and I would have like a donut, Yeah, I don't have enough calories sometimes <laughs> to risk being hungry to have the donut. Like I told Randall, yeah. I think it was yesterday. I was like, I wanted to stop and get a donut, but then I changed my mind. And I say that all the time, Yeah, but because I do, you know, practice macro tracking, whether it's intuitive or like hardcore, like I put all my numbers in tracking, I can have the donut at any time. Although I know it can fit my macros, I don't choose to. And I know this is something like mindset wise that you help your women with too. And so they probably have less urges to binge and have the Oreo or whatever it is, because now they know they can have it at any time. They don't have to have everything just because it's there. And I know a big point, a big part of that comes from eating balanced plates and eating a balanced plate, which helps your craving and wants for things like fruits and vegetables and fiber and protein. Um, But I know that's something that you're great with helping women at. Yeah, it has to be a part of it, right? Like, I don't know, I just had a a recent client just telling me we were working together a year and she's like, I just feel so much more empowered than I ever did before. Because not only does she have a good foundation, she's like, I can go anywhere and like build a good solid plate and make good choices. At the same time, if all that's available is like the pizza, then you can also have that and move on with it. And it's so, so important to have that foundation where you're going to reduce cravings because it's not just about like the looks, right? Yes, those are important, but it's going to be how you feel because if you feel like crap, like you're not going to make the best choices, right? That's why at night after drinking, you're like grabbing the 
McDonald's, I don't know, McGriddle or something rather than, <laughs> than the chicken and broccoli. That sounds kind of good. I haven't had McDonald's <laughs> since like 2012, but I've definitely made sandwiches with a little bit of syrup on them for breakfast yeah. Yeah. at home. But when you said McGriddle, it did take me back. I can't lie. I used to really love McDonald's, but just we just don't choose to eat there anymore. We can't. We eat out plenty, but that's just like, you know, you yeah. definitely took me back there. Yeah. And you've um, had women come to you that have tracked before and they follow your flexible macros approach. Um, do you see some of them going through kind of an aha or relief moment of them not having to be a perfectionist with tracking? Because now you're like, this is a, a framework I have that's actually less stressful. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's a huge mindset shift when you don't have to do it perfectly. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I really kind of instill is like, we're going to track no matter what happens. Like we're going to track, even if you go to a restaurant and you don't have any clue what's in that food, we're just going to track, even if you go way over and you eat the entire sleeve of Oreos. And that just builds up this like data that you can be less I don't know, emotional about. And it's just, it's just data, right? You start to be like, okay, now I see what's going on. It builds more awareness. And it's usually not as bad as we think it is, right? So it's usually that all or nothing thinking of like, I already screwed up. I'm going to stop tracking altogether. That mm -hmm. women are like, macros didn't work for me. It's like, well, you only tracked like three full days out of the entire week. Like that's of course not. Mm -hmm. And I'm also finding the way that they're tracking, it's not accurate, right? So like they're yeah. maybe not weighing everything. Maybe they're picking uh, raw chicken versus cooked chicken and just like small little ways that they're not accurately tracking. Maybe they were going out to eat and they're not accounting for extra like creams and sauces and like their cream and their dressings and all the other things. The peanut butter, that's always a big one. Like we're not weighing out the peanut mm -hmm. butter that can add up quick. So I feel like there's like this approach of like, we want to be accurate in some, some ways and diligent with that, but we also want to be more flexible in other ways where we're like just focusing again, starting where, where, where you're at. I have a lot of women. I'm just starting at hundred grams of protein because yep. they're only getting 60. And if I tell you, you need 120, you're probably going to quit right away. So mm -hmm. meeting you where with your at is really key. Cause a lot of times we want to be like 10 steps ahead from where we are, but we're just not ready for that. Yeah. I think what you said about tracking everything and let's see is huge. I have had so many times where I feel like I've like, quote unquote, depending on where you guys are listening to this, <laughs> like blown my macros and not tracking. I yeah. haven't tracked them. And um, I think it's powerful because so many people have a tie, you know, with like the stinking thinking of I ate all the Oreos. I'm not going to track them. I'm guilty. And I'm not going to weigh in the next day because I'm probably going to be higher. But it's data that we should be looking at to actually see what's happening. And I think with your approach with like, we're just going to track it no matter what, it does help women to see, oh, a couple extra cookies is not make or breaking me. Because like if you do the math and you know the science, like it's 3,500 extra calories to gain a pound above maintenance and like eating some extra cookies isn't the reason why your weight is going up. There might be a water fluctuation, you know, sodium, whatever, electrolytes, maybe it's that time of the month. But if no one is showing up for themselves to just track it and see you don't get the data to go oh it wasn't so bad I can actually be more flexible and this also shows I can just get back on track tomorrow yeah I think it's really eye-opening to have like a day maybe you're supposed to be eating at like 1800 calories and you have one day it's like 2700 
mm-hmm. that it doesn't bring your averages up that much and you can still be losing weight. And over time, those like all or nothing moments are going to decrease, right? Because you're like, okay, it's not that, you know, like I don't have to restrict myself. It's not that bad. I don't have to eat the entire like sleeve of Oreos because I, you know, like had one off plan one time. And I think mm-hmm. that piece of it is just like, wow, it's mu- like mind blowing. And I think like you had mentioned about the scale too, is we get so caught up in the scale, but the more often you learn how your body responds, you don't, it doesn't bother you anymore. Now it's like, I have clients that will be like, oh, well the scale's up, but of course it is because I went out to eat all weekend. It's like, they're not stressing about it. And you don't have those momentary pieces where like, oh, I need to starve myself all day because I ate too yep. much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're, you're taking the power away from the scale, the more that you get on it, it's like yeah. reps. You just have to like keep facing it over and over and over. Um, I have a good question for you. Do you work with men, women, or have potential people that talk to you that you realize that they're overcomplicating nutrition? Um, I think they're always just trying to do it perfectly. I don't know if they're mm-hmm. over. There, I mean. Yes. In the fact that they think there's like, should I fast? Should I eat this? Is this food? Like, what's the right thing? And like overcomplicating mm-hmm. as far as like going and getting these intense recipes, these like macro friendly meals, things that yeah. I used to do all the time. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like it literally takes me about 10 minutes to make, prepare any of my meals. And like, yeah. even my family meals, you know, we all sit down as a family every single night, most nights, but like they're simple meals. Like, I, like last night we made quesadillas and that was from like the like 10 seconds that it took me to make some like turkey meat and cook that up mm-hmm. and like throw a bunch of stuff in there. So I feel like that's a little bit of over, like overcomplicating for sure in that regards. Mm-hmm. And then just thinking there's some sort of magic to it, right? Like, oh, if I have the perfect macros, I'm going to be losing, you know, like I'll lose a weight. So then they just like jump around and try different macro calculator laters and like try all these different things. And then they're never consistent enough to even see results. So that's where like just being more consistent can really just like give you the results that you want versus trying to do 20 different things and switching it up. Yeah. I think that's what I see a lot. Like it's one thing and like tons of recipes and then they switch and do this or Jenny's doing this. And Mm -hmm. I think I should add apple cider vinegar every morning. And then the next week it's like, can you tell me more about MCT oil? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, let's just hit like the basics, the foundational stuff. Let's get the groundwork set. Um, I don't buy lots of cookbooks. I think in the last three years, four years, four years, I've gotten three and it was to make me actually be more creative, not to, um, create recipes that were macro friendly. And I remember one of the books I got was one of the recipe books I saw you got, but it was just to give me creativity I too recommend like more basic things. If you're new to macro tracking, I'm like, get rid of like these crazy recipes with like seven to 13 ingredients and you're learning how to track. Um, I'm definitely like a protein, carb, veggie plate type of person when people are newer to tracking. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you're going to just change, like you can't change everything at once, right? Like we talked about building a lifestyle. If you just make small modifications, like let's add in more protein, add in more veggies maybe versus like, let's deconstruct everything that we're already naturally doing and try to do some, fit ourselves into like something that doesn't work totally. Yep. That's definitely what I think. I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, How do you help people when they have a lot of, let's say, stress they have a busy lifestyle 
Um, how do you help them start where they feel like everything is just so much? They already felt like, man, it's going to be hard to prioritize myself with like nutrition and fitness. Where do you help them get started? I think everyone's so different. I'm just doing like a really good assessment of what they're already naturally doing. And then paying attention to like, what are the biggest rocks? What are the biggest things that they need to do to set them into the direction that they want to, whatever their goals are, right? So maybe um, it's really going to be just being diligent with tracking and getting in some steps and not even stressing about the workouts just yet and really focusing on, on the basics, right? Getting in enough calories, doing like a small amount of like protein meal prep in the beginning of the week. So you have your food and just starting small, like less focus on the small rocks and more focus on the big rocks, the actual big dial movers for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I used to cringe with new clients a little bit when they're like, I've got to change everything and I got to clean out the fridge. And then we're going out for like margaritas and tacos on Saturday to get that out of my system. And then on Sunday is it pizza. I'm buying new equipment. I'm getting new. Like, Whoa. And I, I get a little nervous <laughs> because, and now like I have, I have a, a different approach to coaching and we have a, a team of coaches too, that help people. Um, and like you said, like our beliefs have changed as we've become coaches, but I used to cringe when I would feel like everybody felt like I have to change my entire lifestyle. And they would think on day one, I had 12 new things I have to do that I've never done versus like these, what are like the big rocks that we should focus on building on top of it. I think people think they have to change everything on day one and have this new like dieting um, um, persona, like they become another person. And I think it's important for people to know to start smaller. So it actually lasts. Yeah. And I've actually let clients fail on purpose for <laughs> that, for that piece of it. And I want to explain that because like, I had some, they're like gung ho. I'm they're like, how much, like we'll set initial goals in the beginning. And they're like, yes, I can get in for work. So I'm like, are you sure? Yes, absolutely. I'm like, all right, we'll give it a go. We'll see how it goes this week. And then we'll adjust as needed. And like, I, I didn't even get one in and I'm like, okay, perfect. Let's like peel back the layers here and like remove some of that stuff. Cause sometimes we need to see it to mm -hmm. believe it. Like, no, no, no. Then they'll be like, oh yeah, you're right. We didn't need to do, we didn't, I didn't need to do all that stuff that I wanted to do. I'm like, okay, well now we can start fresh and really like set some real priorities for you. Mm -hmm. I feel like that applies to so many things in life. Like there's many times I'm sure you too have like, let your kids fail. You're like, that's not going to yeah. work. They're trying to build something and you're just like, just let it happen. Yeah. Or my husband's probably let me fail. I've let him fail. I mean, sometimes we just have to see, and then it does humble us to like, come back to the ground, you know, floor and go, okay, how do I actually do this where it can actually last? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think there's so many women that have the word sustainable in their vocabulary when they're looking for a nutrition or fitness regimen because we've tried so many things and failed. It's the number one word that I see people use when they're looking for a diet. If they're actually trying to lose weight, like they're like, I want something sustainable. And that's because we, we all have failed a lot. We've tried a lot of yeah. stuff and failed a lot. And I think a lot of the times it's been like what you talked about from the very beginning, things that are too restrictive or and they're too complicated or they're not um, something that you were already doing and you didn't build up that that's why a lot of us fail. Absolutely. Yes.
Yep, definitely. Cool. Well, where can everybody find you? I want them to be able to reach out to you and let us know if you have anything new coming up that people can take a look at to see if they want to work with you. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. It's Kim R. Platt, P-L-A-T-T. Uh, I have a website. It's risingthrivenutrition.com. And then on Facebook, I know some people don't love Facebook, but I have a really good group over there. It's macros, metabolism, and fat loss for women. And I do weekly trainings. Usually those are Monday nights at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And then I also have an email list where I'm sending those uh, emails about three times a week. And those are a mix between like a little bit of like storytelling, but also some good information that is going to be realistic to apply to what you got going on. And I don't have anything new. I'm actually like in a, a time of rest for me in December, which is really strange for me. So I'm actually focusing on just like recovering. We had a crazy football and cheer season with my kids. Yeah. So right now is like the time of like just doing nothing and then focusing on new things in January. Kind of like nutrition periodization. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, definitely check out her page. You guys we will make sure it's down below in the show notes. Um, Kim is someone that is always um, in always teaching, empowering, and um, giving you guys uh, small rocks to move and how to actually get from point A to B on her page every single day for free. Um, so you can definitely hire her for free before you actually hire her by just consuming her content. So thank you so much, my friend, for being here today. It was great to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Make sure you like, share, and tag us on Instagram. Also subscribe to our channel so you don't miss future episodes. In the meantime, be healthy and get wealthy.